0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore air. And yes, my alarm went off during the intro. It's bound to happen once in a while. So I didn't fall for the trap of watching the debate this time, like I did last time. Like I mentioned before, it's always like a preseason game or family night, where it's like, man, this is going to be so awesome, I'm so excited, and then you turn it on, it's like, man, I wish wish I was enjoying this, but I'm not. I mean, I watch preseason games and family night. It's just, it's always a massive letdown in terms of my expectations. However, I woke up this morning and I learned uh, everything I needed to know. People on the left thought one thing, people on the right thought another thing, so very simply, neither of these four individuals has the ability to bring anybody together, which we already knew that, but... You know, I just—I was just curious. I woke up like, hey, I wonder if the country came together last night. I wonder if we're unified. No? Okay. Well, it's worth a shot. Anyways, let's go do the podcast. Really was feeling it, too. I was like, man, I just have a feeling one of these two people is just really gonna... Mm, you know? I was almost bracing myself for this uncomfortable... You know, like when you have this really awkward thing where everybody's like super positive and it makes you uncomfortable. I remember in my younger days, um, not being much of a church attender... At one point, my dad brought me to a giant church down in Illinois called Willow Creek. And the people there were extremely nice, and it really freaked me out, and I hated it. Why are you so nice all the time? Knock it off. Freaked me out, man. And I just don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, as a country, I don't like the hate. But I don't want to be all, like, nice all the time either, you know? I don't know. I'm just saying. I was prepared for a love fest, but I, you know, I'm good with it. Either way, either way sucks, so it's fine. At least I've grown accustomed to this side of, of horrible, so it's fine. We're good. Nothing changes. No news is good news, right? You also hate each other? All right, cool. Back at it then. Anyways, sorry for you uh, non-American listeners. Just a little internal. And don't act like you guys don't hate each other. Yes, you do. Bunch of miserable jerks over there, too. I know you are. I don't know if I'm Irish or a pirate. I know you are. So today is, uh, it's housekeeping day, which is to say I avoided lots and lots of really interesting topics because we gotta, you know, we do Victory Monday slash Tuesday, which by the way will always be a big Victory Monday, but it happened to fall on a Tuesday. And then, you know, there's a lot of interesting stats and things that we gotta cover the next day, go a little bit more in depth, but now we've got some time. So let's kind of back up, look at some stuff, um, a little internal house cleaning. I've been getting a consistently slow trickle of emails and and things for the other Iron Jack giveaway that I did that I said was a massive failure and and basically continues to be. I'm cutting that off. I forgot to cut it off. I don't know why I never mentioned, hey, just send it today and then we're done. I didn't. So it's just been this slow trickle, and it's going to be really hard to keep track of everybody. But everybody that entered, thank you. That's it. No more. One of you will get a hoodie. I should see if there's a new leader, by the way even though I have no time for this. Let's do it anyways, because I'm curious. Oh, wow. I had somebody email me yesterday um, with a picture. Was very, very dedicated to getting one uh, for his wife, who he said is very, very awesome. And I just, you know, thumbs up, good luck. He has 101 engagements in like 12 hours, so... Wow. Guessing that's our new leader. It's really not even close. If if, if any of the other guys want to win... Just understand where the bar is set right now. You have to go out and get hundreds of engagements. So this is kind of what I was hoping everybody would do. Like, you know, take it seriously and be like, I got to get a lot because I'm getting a free hoodie out of this. But, you know, it's fine. Anyways, plenty of ball game left. Also a reminder, and I'll be posting this periodically, I'm moving a lot of things, and I'm very seriously contemplating all of the Iron Jock giveaways, at least for a time, over to this Flick Chat. I'm not messing around. That is probably second only to growing this here podcast right now. So, again, I'll post another link. It is an app you have to download. It's called Flick Chat. It is a chat specifically designed for sports. And, again, you once you get in there, and you can join different channels and whatnot, there are um, specific comment sections and topics pertaining to sports-related things. There's also, you know, a chat when the game goes live that has updated stats and everything else in there um it's something that's being pushed by fan-to-fan network um joe the fantasy football counselor who has started fan-to-fan network who is the head of that is currently negotiating with the ceo of FlickChat on uh developing some kind of a sponsorship for all of us and i have the currently as it looks like we're all inviting each other to each other's channels it looks like i have the third biggest channel in there and i intend to have the biggest channel partially because you know it benefits me, but also because I just have a kind of a big ego, and I intend to win these things. So it's it's a double win. I get to say I'm better than all of you, and I get to make more money than all of them. So just keeping it real with you. Also keeping it real with you, I'm probably going to start giving away actual physical cash to join Flick Chat. I haven't figured out the best way to do that, but I legitimately that is my next line of thought, is uh, on top of Iron Jock, I will be giving away money in Flick Chat. Just throwing it out there. So, a little bit of an incentive. If you don't know how to join, feel free to message me. I would be happy to make sure that you get in there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of like me with new social medias, where I forget that I am a business owner that is in the business of garnering attention, and I see a new, bi- a, a new social media pop up that's popular, and I just sit around talking about how stupid it is. And then when it's way too late, and it's already a gigantic company like TikTok that could have brought me a lot of attention if I had just jumped in there and participated instead of sitting around like an old fogey talking about how stupid it is. And now if I jump in I'm like a small fish and it's useless plus it's I, I'm not interesting enough for TikTok. In that way, you know, I don't know. TikTok is hilarious by the way. I don't care if it's for thirteen year old girls, it is funny. There are a couple non thirteen year old girls that are in there that make some hilarious content. It's not just a dancing app, I promise you. That the stuff just it gives me hope for the future, man. There are some Young people that are just putting out quality content. Quality content. But anyways, that's kind of what it's like for you if you don't get in Flick Chat. Like, nah, that's stupid. I'm not doing it. I'm telling you, you're going to regret that. But that's fine. It's up to you. You don't want another app on your phone? I understand. Packers chat with Packer fans and a bunch of giveaways or Pinterest. You know, know, whatever. Anyways, my good... man, I am... This is a brutal day for distractions. I, I have other stuff... I want to bring up, but we got to start talking football because I've already lost half of my listeners. On top of that, I just spent like 15 minutes searching non-podcast related things because I forgot I was doing a podcast. I genuinely have something wrong with my brain, man. Genuinely. Anyways, let's uh, let's just open it up to some questions right away. So there is somewhat of a recurring theme that's going to revolve around essentially three different questions that we can kind of answer in one. But it all started with Mr. Jesse from Oregon and he had this question. He said, hey, Ryan, this is Jesse from Oregon. That's how I know. Big fan of the show. Just a question of the linebackers in the Mike Pettin system. We saw a clear drop off in Blake Martinez's play when Pettin got here. Is that a usual thing for Mike's past? Like, do linebackers get worse when he arrives somewhere, or was that just a one-time thing? Thanks. Great job. That was followed up by Jordan, at FlippedSpawn on Twitter. He sent me an article, or actually, it's, it's a tweet. But this is from yesterday. Blake Martinez is first in the NFL in PFF stop metric with 23 tackles that constitute a failure for the offense. Now this is probably two weeks after I got the original question from Mr. Oregon. The message underneath from Jordan says, I really wonder if Pettin is the linebacker killer. Now the third question will stay to the side for now because it's interesting as it is for right now. It just dawned on me I have my first opportunity to try to look up I don't have time for it, but I'm going to do it anyways, uh, something I said in the past. But let me just tell you what I said, and then I'll try to find it, and I probably won't be able to, because their search is kind of garbage. But anyways, all the more reason to start a website and that has a better search. Um, the thing that I had mentioned, and this is prior to Blake Martinez leaving, was that I genuinely believed that Blake Martinez was a good linebacker, and that if he were to go to, I believe he can go to another team and perform really, really well. My thing was, I believe that Blake Martinez was not built for the Mike Pettin system, and Mike Pettin just needed to go out and find a new linebacker that was a better fit for his system. Now, Blake Martinez is no longer the uh, number one linebacker in all of football. He's dropped to 10th. Not surprisingly, his coverage grade is subpar. However, through four weeks, so this is not a fluke, he is the second highest graded run defending linebacker in football. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, that's not any different. He was always that way. He's terrible in coverage. He's really good against the run. No, he's never been this good against the run. And we would absolutely love to have a guy like this who's dominant against the run. And the fact that he's just mediocre in coverage, his grade is literally a 60, is not that bad. Most linebackers are kind of garbage in coverage. There are currently 20 linebackers with a grade of 70 or above. And that's actually before I filter it. There are 14 Nick Kwiatkowski, Michael Walker, Roquan Smith, Rashawn Evans, Malcolm Smith, Denzel Perriman. Dude, Denzel? That's crazy. He's the number one run defender, too. That guy's breaking By the way, I mean, it's only four weeks and he's been terrible in the past, but that was my guy, man. I love Denzel Perriman. Wanted the Packers to get him. Whole different thing. Jamie Collins, K.J. Wright, Darius Leonard, Fred Warner, Jared Davis, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Miles Jack, Levante, David, who we have to go up against. I mentioned very good coverage linebacker. And yes, I said Roquan Smith. Well, I thought you said he was bad. His run defense grade is a 40. His overall grade is a 56. He's bad. He's always been bad. Anyways, if we continue to look a little bit at Blake Martinez, um, the thing that excited me about Blake is the fact that his rookie year was bad. He was a 57 overall. And... I, I had some optimism because I we saw the same thing with Jake Ryan. He had a bad first year, and he took a big second-year leap. He went from a 57 to a 66, and he had an 88 overall run defense grade. He was very good against the run. That's a fairly big jump. Then, so his his run defense grade was a 73, then an 88. Then Mike Pettin shows up, and his grade actually takes a leap. But, but the one thing that I had, I had highlighted that I said was very strange is he had an 82 overall coverage grade and a 58 overall run defense grade. He was an elite run defender. Even in his rookie year when he graded out terribly, he was a solid run defender. In year two of Dom Caper's system, he was one of the best run defenders in all of football. 88.8 overall grade. He has a 90.8 right now. He's the second best run defender in football. So this isn't a fluke. This is what he was in Green Bay prior to Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin shows up and he has a boom in his coverage ability, but his run defense ability falls off. The real question is, because we know Blake isn't very good in coverage, is this a fluke? Is his coverage about to fall off? And if it does, and his run defense grade stays low in this system, he's going to be one of the worst linebackers in football. If, however, he can get back to being a really good run defending linebacker and continue this thing that he's doing in coverage, he'll be one of the best in football. Well, unfortunately, it went the bad way. Blake Martinez, I mean, just because he's Blake Martinez, I guess, it's not really how he's built was no longer any good in coverage. And unfortunately, his run defense did not get any better. In fact, it got worse. His coverage grade was a 62. His run defense grade in 2019 was a 47.7. It was horrible. And so there was no doubt in my mind, this elite run defender who got horrible against the run when Mike Pettin showed up, had everything to do with the new scheme that he was in not working. And again, I had said if he goes somewhere else that had an old scheme kind of similar to what Dom Capers ran, and I'm not a film guy, so I can't exactly articulate what exactly is going on. I don't know anything about the Giants and their defense and what kind of stuff they run. I mean, I know it's a 3-4. That's it, though. It has something to do with assignments that just don't work for Blake. So to the specific question, well, let, let's let's transition then to somebody else that I thought was somewhat interesting. And it, it's, it's entirely different, but it, it's a similar feel to what happened with Blake Martinez, and that's Preston Smith. Because I got another question, and um, of course I'm not going to be able to find where it came from because I don't write things down because I'm a dummy. But it was a similar question that basically said, what is going on with Preston Smith? And there was a similar feel to Preston as there was with Blake. And I'm not saying it's necessarily the exact same thing. Obviously, they played different positions. But the really strange thing about Preston Smith when he showed up, he was a run-defending edge rusher. Not a very good pass rusher, but he's solid off the edge against the run. At least he was the year before he showed up. He comes here and is terrible against the run, but suddenly is a good pass rusher. And it was kind of a matter of, Again, in my mind, is he going to stay a good pass rusher and rebound as a run defender? Or is this new system that he's in prevent him from being any good against the run because of what Mike Pettin's asking him to do? And then the pass rush, which kind of had a boon for a year, is going to regress, and suddenly we're left with a guy that's not a good pass rusher and can't set an edge. So far, it's been the latter. Preston Smith had his first game of the season against Atlanta, in which he wasn't graded as a bad football player. This is the lowest he's graded on the season in his career. He's at a 52. The lowest he'd ever had prior to this was a 63.7. He has five pressures on 106 attempts, so less than 5%. Yes, he has a sack, but, you know, again, really unsustainable sack rate, which is pathetic considering his sacks are not high. His run defense grade is a 60. His tackling grade is a 36. His coverage grade, which is another thing that we like about him, is that he's versatile. He plays the run. He drops in coverage. It's a 43.5 coverage grade. He's been targeted eight times. Six of those have been caught for 49 yards. He only has seven tackles on the season. He has one missed tackle. He's been in a complete non-factor this season. And again, for those that, had talked about that, that say that I'm out of my mind for saying that we're going to get rid of Preston Smith next year because we have Rashawn Gary, I would like you to reassess that. Consider how much we're paying Preston. Consider how much money we need. Consider the fact that Rashawn is a rotational player because of Preston. I'm not saying we wouldn't like to have more guys. Maybe we go out and get another edge rusher at some point. Fine. Build up that depth a bit. But Preston is not the answer to anything. And maybe he gets better, that's fine. But the point is, Preston Smith has been an average football player his entire career, with the exception of 2018, which is the thing that scared me. Because Preston and Zedarius both had breakout years one year before we signed him. In other words, they were both kind of, mediocre, not super great. Then they broke out in 2018. We paid both of them in 2019. Zadarius is still a big question mark, although he did have one good game, so we're hoping that he stays at the top. Preston has not had a good game all year. Remember, I didn't say he had one good game this past week. I said he had one game so far this year in which he wasn't graded as a bad football player. His grade was a 64, barely average. And the fact of the matter is, if, if the first three games were flukes and he stays in that 64 range, that's kind of what he's been his whole, his whole career. So what you saw against Atlanta, that's Preston Smith. That's actually what he graded out as in 2019. He, he, went, he regressed back to what he was from 2015 to 2017. 2018, when he was with Washington, was his best year. The only difference is he had a ton of sacks in 2019. He had a handful more pressures and, like, double the amount of sacks he usually has because, again, the sack rate was so ridiculously high and unsustainable. But really, he was an average football player. He regressed back to being average. So, so again, it, it just kind of cropped up that, that same feeling again of a guy that maybe has potential elsewhere that went from being really good against the run to being kind of mediocre against the run, but a good pass rusher, and then, you know, is that sustainable? Now, to get back to the original question, because I don't, I don't know what's going on with Preston other than what I've been saying for a long time, the only way Preston sticks around is if he's so good that we just say we can't get rid of him. I don't think that's the case. I think we can very comfortably move on from Preston, recoup a ton of money, and still have Zedarius and Rashawn. And again, we'll probably need more depth, but I mean, we have two pass rushers. That's, that's pretty rare in the NFL. So to the question of, is Petten the linebacker killer? I don't, I don't think so. If you look back over his career, he's had some really good linebackers. In fact, he had a stint in which linebackers only seemed to thrive with Mike Petten. For example, if you look back at his one year in Buffalo in 2013, he had Nigel Bradham and Kiko Alonso. So this was a very good defense that had 14 players that graded out in the 70s or above, which is ridiculous. The third and fourth highest graded players were Nigel Bradham and Kiko Alonso. They also had Ty Powell, who only played a couple snaps, who was graded in the 70s, as well as Arthur Motes, who graded in the 70s. So there were four linebackers out of 14 players that graded out really well on this 2013 Buffalo Bills team. Interestingly enough, Nigel Bradham had two good years, the best of which was in 2013. In 2012, his rookie year, he was terrible. But uh, Mike Pettin shows up in 2013, he goes from a 60 to an 80. Mike Pettin leaves after 2013, he drops back to a 60, and then goes down to a 50. He had one little blip uh, increase in his career when he goes over to Philadelphia, it was a one-year deal, and then he fell off back to being a mediocre linebacker. So whatever it was about Nigel Bradham and Mike Pettin, it just worked. His system, his scheme, what, what, what my, Nigel Bradham was being asked to do is what he needed to be doing. In other words, if you take Nigel Bradham, and, and we're talking about 2013 here, different scheme, different everything entirely. But the point is, let's say Nigel Bradham was on the Giants and Blake Martinez was a Packer. If we switch these two, we have two guys that were underperforming that suddenly become very good football players. Now, obviously, Nigel Bradham at this point is 31 years old. And uh, Mike Pettin's scheme, which is the other big question, would be uh, seven, years, you know, seven years older at this point. Who knows how far it goes back? We got Rex Ryan and before that, you know, Buddy Ryan and who knows how far back this thing goes. Interestingly enough, you also have Kiko Alonso, who was a terrible linebacker his entire career, with the exception of his rookie season in 2013 with Buffalo. He was phenomenal. The other interesting thing about it is that both of these guys performed better in coverage than they did against the run. Nigel Bradham was solid against the run, but was slightly better in coverage. Kiko Alonso was average against the run, elite in coverage. Kiko Alonso was never good in coverage ever again. So, if you look at Blake, the one thing he... He was, he kind of had one good year at was his one year where he was decent in coverage, but his run defense grade kind of struggled. I feel like a Mike Pettin linebacker is going to be very good in coverage. Ideally, he's a Nigel Bradham, where he's solid in coverage and also is solid against the run, but I just don't think you're going to get a Blake Martinez to thrive in a Mike Pettin system. Now, the other, the other big question here, and this kind of goes to the bigger question of, is Mike Pettin's system still viable in the NFL today? Which it seems to be. We see some great things. Jair is thriving, Zadarius thrived. I still think Rashawn is going to be solid. Amos seemed to be doing well, although both of the safeties are kind of struggling. So it really comes down to one of two things. Either number one, we need to find a legitimate Mike Pettin type linebacker. We had hoped it to be Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey came and was horrible, which was somewhat to be expected because he's never really been a good linebacker, as I've been trying to tell you since forever. But at least he was sort of expected to maybe at least understand the Mike Pettin system and be able to carry it out better than Blake did. Again, that didn't happen. But it is also interesting to note, if you will for a moment, we currently have the 18th highest graded linebacker in football by the name of Chris Barnes. Now, that probably won't last very long, because his first week he was an 82, the second week was a 72, then a 62, then a 51. He's, he's declining rapidly, so he's about to fall off this list entirely. But it, it does kind of raise the question of, are there, is there a certain type of guy that can thrive in this sort of system? We're talking about a UCLA linebacker that was an undrafted free agent that came in and sort of just found his groove. By the way, the other reason he's thriving still and hasn't completely fallen off is his tackling grade is through the roof. He's been a phenomenal tackler. But let's just say hypothetically that there's something about Chris Barnes maybe athletically that that maybe is going to cause him to struggle in the NFL, but is there a slightly upgraded version of Chris Barnes that the Packers could pursue possibly in the 2021 draft that could still thrive in a Mike Patton system today? And how would we know? We have the the, the point is we it's hard to make a determination based on the fact that Dom Capers' linebackers aren't thriving in Mike Pettin's system, and undrafted free agents and other guys that we haven't really invested much in aren't m- cutting it. Oren Burks was drafted in 2018, but we hired Mike Pettin in 2018, so it's not a. It's he wasn't a uh, Mike Pettin draft pick. I mean, maybe he could have given a little bit of input on that because I think he was hired like in January or something. Yeah, January 10th, 2018. So he was technically the defensive coordinator when we drafted Oren Burks, but. There wasn't a big collaborative effort in in a matter of a couple months to say, this is what I need on this team. This was, you know, a brand spanking new GM who just got hired and a defensive coordinator who just got hired. Who, you know, I mean, Gudekunst had been there for a while, so it's, you know, whatever. Point is, Mike Pettin hasn't really been able to put his stamp on a linebacker outside of Christian Kirksey. That's it. And so I'm willing to give that a little bit of time. Now, Again, it just for me comes down to is he a viable defensive coordinator in the NFL? If he is, if this system can still work and if it can still thrive today, then there's every reason, then 100,000% there are human beings who can fit this scheme and make it work. Blake was never going to be that guy. It sucks because Blake is a good football player. He just is not, it's, it's a round peg in a square hole being in Green Bay under uh, Mike Pettin. It just, it's never going to work. But that's going to be ultimately, and and you know, again, we could consult the uh, the film guru types to get their input on what they think. But ultimately, it's going to come down to Brian Gutekunst and Matt Lafleur looking at this and saying, is the issue that we need to get Mike Pettin some players that fit this system, or is the problem his system is garbage and it just doesn't really work? It, you know, it's not twenty thirteen anymore. Cool, you can you can wreck some people in twenty thirteen with the Bills and and you know, twenty ten with the Jets. That's great. That was a great system back then. You and Rex Ryan just tore it up, man! Terrifying defenses, turning guys into monsters. It's what got you a, a a head coaching job in Cleveland. But again, we're we're talking ten years ago. the the NFL the NFL offenses have evolved massively since then. Remember, Mike Pettin was was constructing defenses that were built to try to stop. Mike McCarthy offenses. I I specifically... I don't know why this game sticks out in my head so much, but I remember... A while ago. And maybe this was the Mike Petton Buffalo Bills. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I should check if we played the Buffalo Bills in 2013. We didn't. But it was in and around then. And I remember the Packers were a good team and Buffalo was a bad team. But I still didn't like it because there were certain defenses that were just stingy. And the only way you beat the Packers is you get a real stingy defense that just kind of gets the offense off, off its guard a little bit. And when Aaron Rodgers is frustrated and he's not connecting with his receivers, it just kind of throws everything off. And then the defense is off. Everything's just off. And we ended up losing that game. Look at what Mike McCarthy's doing right now. Modern NFL defenses have evolved to take that away. And then offenses have evolved to beat that. So now a modern defense is needs to evolve to beat that. So yeah, Mike Pettin can beat the Dallas Cowboys probably. Can Mike Pettin stop the 49ers? And I feel like we have an offensive mind that would really be able to assess that. Right? I mean, Matt LaFleur is in a perfect position to look at it and say, these are the defenses that are going to give us a hard time. These are the defenses that have given the 49ers offense a hard time. These are the defenses we need. Now, it's you know, it's it's the 49ers, it's the Chiefs, and th- those are different dynamics. And obviously, you need a guy that's just an intelligent, defensive mind that knows how to run things, and, and the fact that he's a former head coach and all that is a invaluable thing to Matt LaFleur. But I feel like it's time to take the training wheels off, embrace the head coaching role, Let Mike Pettin just be a defensive coordinator and assess, is this a guy that runs a system? It's not about his mentality. Again, I said this, Dom Capers is a brilliant human being. Mike McCarthy is a brilliant human being. That's a separate question than can their scheme win in the NFL anymore? I'm not giving up on Mike Pettin. I'm just saying I don't know the answer to that. And if the answer is no, he needs to go. If the answer is yes, cool, let's go out and find a linebacker that works in this system and let's get this thing going. But directly to the question, is he a linebacker killer? No. But Blake Martinez was never going to thrive in this system. It just wasn't going to work. And unfortunately, we have to go watch him go somewhere else where he is a good fit and just tear it up. Just as a run defender, but so what? He's the second best run defending linebacker in football. And we had that. He broke out in his second year and was dominant. Not just in tackles. That's, that's ridiculous to say, well, he's just good in tackles, but he was always garbage. No, no, no. He was dominant at stopping the run. Jake Ryan was as well. We had some really good run-defending linebackers in a system under Dom Capers in which, again, the goal was stop the run. Because what we wanted is to stop you on first down and second down, force you to throw in third and long, and then that's when we can get you, except, again, we had garbage corners and no pass rush, so Dom Capers' system was never going to work. Mike Pettin says, forget that, we're just going to stop you from passing on every down. First down, second down, third down, we're coming out in dime. (laughs) If you want to run, cool, you'll get a bunch of yards, but, you know, that's fine. And again, that's why he likes big defensive lineman to hopefully clog that up it's a separate thing not worried about it right now which also is why we're we're probably never going to get the linebacker that we want we want a thumping Blake Martinez linebacker that's going to clean up the run Mike Pettin's looking at it like I'm not worried about that I need a guy that can you know I mean he can occupy a lane against the run and that's cool but I need a guy that can drop into coverage I want the big boys up front to handle that which is why he's obsessed with defensive linemen get big dominant defensive linemen you don't have to worry about linebackers cleaning up nothing but when you got defensive linemen that are just getting blown out of the water to the degree that there's an extra blocker coming up and taking out a linebacker i mean there's not too many people that can that can handle that and blake clearly wasn't that guy either so again the, the other frustrating aspect of this although we want defensive lineman too but we want a linebacker that's going to stop the run i think dom uh, mike Pettin is looking at it saying no nah, i need i need some more defensive lineman again that's fine i think we're all fine with that but just understand I, I, I tend to think that's the direction he wants to go. Dominant defensive line and then athletic linebacker that can mostly cover, but also can get kind of sideline to sideline and take things out that way. But the, the up the middle stuff is mostly defensive linemen need to just shut that down. Linebacker comes up and assists the defensive line in that. Right? The Ray Lewis linebackers, that's not he's not that's not his thing. Right. Just blowing up plays, taking over games which in a sense is good because the the NFL in general is just moving away from that which kind of goes in the favor of Mike Petton and his whether or not his system is modern or not again how many really dominant linebackers are there and how many of them are just really good against the run none right i mean there's no like elite ray lewis linebackers in the NFL right now it's just not a thing you got some guys like Blake that are really good against the run you got a couple guys that are garbage run defenders that are really good in coverage and i think that's the direction mike petton wants to go probably why kenny clark got the first big contract Anyways, this uh, this kind of stinks because I need to be done about now because I've been wasting so much time. But, um, shoot. No, whatever. Let's take a break and we'll come back and discuss some other things. And I will just be slightly late. Well, I'm running out of uh, creative ways to get you excited about Iron Jock. fact of the matter is, everything I've been saying every day is, is kind of all you need to know. So let me just remind you, or maybe we've got some new listeners. Iron Jock is a Wisconsin-based clothing company. They just launched their e-commerce platform at ironjock.com, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. They have elite-level clothing. I am actually beyond thrilled to hear that some of my listeners have begun purchasing some of their clothing. I'm I'm beyond excited to get feedback. If anybody has received anything, whether it's a hoodie giveaway or a shirt or socks or whatever from them, please reach out and let me know what you think because i I don't want to be the only one that just loves my hoodie. <laughs> I, want to, I want to know that I'm not crazy. Somebody tell me I'm not nuts and this thing isn't awesome. But for your information, they do have polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, long and short sleeves, sweatshirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. Not only is it unbelievably comfortable, but there's a lot of technology in their fabric. They actually have a proprietary fabric called Endurotech, which is wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, and eliminates odor. Well, how does it eliminate odor? It has silver ion infused into the fabrics. The silver ion is released into the, you know, when it gets wet, I believe is what happens. It releases silver ion. Silver ion kills bacteria and fungus, which is what causes the odor. So you sweat into these things, and it releases silver ion, which murders the fungus. They're like bacteria serial killers, all while you're just kind of hanging out. They've also got EnduraTech Plus which has all the uh, other benefits, but also is, um, is water repellent. That's in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets. So if you're looking for water repellent, look into their pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jacket. If you want more information, again, go to IRONJOC.com, Follow them on Facebook or on Twitter at Iron Jock. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so there's been a decent amount of hubbub about Snacks Harrison. A lot of people wanted Snacks. There was a report that he was going to meet with the Packers, and everyone got excited about it. Um, then we come to find out that uh, he didn't leave Seattle without a deal. They essentially signed him to the practice squad which was very confusing, but it's, it's one of those things where there's new rules and teams figure out pretty quickly how to use that to their advantage because you're allowed to sign, I don't know the exact rule. I don't think it's anybody, anytime, anywhere. But for whatever reason, you can now sign veterans to your practice squad and uh, Snacks Harrison fit the criteria, whatever they may be. So they signed him to the practice squad. Why? It allows them to keep their roster intact while they bring in Snacks and coach him up a bit. Now, whether or not they activate him for the next game or not, or just keep him on there while they, you know, work things through, don't really know. But I believe that that is going to be the purpose. He's there temporarily. He will be activated. The question then is, why don't the Packers just sign Snacks off of the practice squad? Well, a couple things. Number one, they wanted to bring him in for a workout. Why? Why didn't they just sign him? Because they want him in for a workout. In other words, they don't know if they want to sign him or not. They maybe don't want him at all. So they wouldn't sign him off the practice squad. Now, you could say, well, why don't you just sign him, bring him in, and if he doesn't work out, then you cut him from your practice squad. Because Snacks doesn't want to come here. The point is, he signed with the Seahawks because he wants to play for the Seahawks. Could you just sign a guy without their permission? I I guess I don't know. But I don't think it's going to work out in your favor, necessarily. I mean, I suppose if that's the case, it should tell us a little bit about Snacks himself. Similar to what I said about Yannick. Guys that are elite level players, if Khalil Mack walked away from the Bears and was just sitting out there as a free agent, how long do you think he'd sit out there? And do you think if somebody signed him, they'd sign him to their practice squad with the possibility of somebody poaching Khalil Mack? The fact of the matter is, Snacks Harrison is coming up pretty quickly on 32 years old. The guy has been elite for a very, 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 very long time. One of the better run defenders in all of football. But I think a lot of people got scared off based on what happened in Detroit. Because he was horrible. Now, you know, a lot of people, well, yeah, I mean, just because Detroit is terrible and they don't know what they're doing and they're stupid and they stink. Patricia's a dummy. Snacks didn't want to be there. Okay, but I think from a GM standpoint, there's a couple, first of all, there's the question of contract. It's possible Snacks is sitting over there like, yeah, I want like 10 million bucks. And people are just laughing at him because a a 32 year old, 350 pound nose tackle is not going to get $10 million. And you, you add all this up how much money he wants, how much money he's worth, what value we think he brings. And again, this is a reason you definitely want to bring a guy like this in on a workout because he's 32 years old. He's, He's over 350 pounds. I mean, at some point, that starts to wear on you. I'm 33 years old. I can feel the difference between 220 pounds and 240 pounds. At 240, it hurts to go up and down stairs. It hurts to get out of a chair. If I get down to 200 pounds, I can go run around the block, no problem. When you're 32 years old, carrying around that much weight, I don't care how much you work out. That's going to wear on you, especially when you've had guys smashing into you for years. And when you see a big drop-off like this, I guarantee you people aren't just sitting there going, ah, it's just because of Patricia, he's fine, he's still elite, let's bring him in. I don't think so. I think we've learned from guys like Jimmy Graham and, you know, others, when you see a big drop-off, you should probably take it seriously and not just assume, yeah, well, he'll be better here. right? Yeah, well, that was Seattle. He comes over here with with Aaron Rodgers, man, they're going to tear it up. Okay, and Martellus Bennett, Jared Cook, and Mercedes. I'm not trying to trash Mercedes, but I mean, come on. As though he's still like this elite blocker, like he's always been. I mean, we keep saying that because he's he's good at it, and that's what his thing is. But he, you know, he's not what he was in Jacksonville like seven years ago. He's just not. And so, yeah, it would be cool to get a Snacks Harrison. I just don't know if Snacks Harrison is still Snacks Harrison. He hasn't been since 2018 in New York, by the way. New York currently has an elite run defender. His name is Blake Martinez. Do you think we should go get him? Are you getting my point? He was elite in New York as a run defender. He went to Detroit in a different system, and he sucked. By the way, pretty simple distinction between the two. You have a 3-4 nose tackle becoming a 4-3 defensive tackle, and he sucked a lot. And I know technically Mike Pettin runs a 3-4 system, but most of the time they're in a 4-3 alignment. Also, Snacks Harrison has the same designation as Kenny Clark, so that creates a complication. Are we going to move Kenny Clark off of his position, or are we going to put Damon Harrison at an even diff- more different position? He's less less of a nose tackle. Because remember, Kenny is our nose tackle. It creates some complications. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not all that worried about it. I would love to get a guy like Snacks, but again, I don't know if Snacks is Snacks. We may have to look into to a different free agent, or just wait until the draft but I'm not overly concerned about it because, again, I think some people just assume if we get him, he's going to fix all our problems. And, again, if, if the NFL believed that, he would have had a job a long time ago. Would he help? Probably a little bit. I don't know. I mean, if nothing else, he's 353 pounds. He's going to be harder to push out of the way than Dean Lowry, you know? I mean, assuming they're both just standing there like lumps, which, depending on the given play, that may or more or less be what we're getting out of either of those guys. Uh, anyways, I really do have to go. I wish we had more time. Um... 12 minutes past my time here. So, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.